Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch London. For more information and resources, please go to ChristchurchLondon.org. Good morning, good morning. Um, it genuinely is so good to be here. Um, if we haven't met yet, I am normally, um, this is my service, but I think, I feel like I've been away for ages. I've been on holiday and then I was in the Sutton service. We've got a fifth service starting there. So it's good to be home, friends. It is good to be back. Yes. <laughs> Great. Well, this morning, um, if you have also been away, um, for the month of July, we are looking at the book of Ruth. And this is a small four-chapter book in the Old Testament. And it is about the lives of three people, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. And it is named after Ruth, who was this incredible, courageous, resilient, and compassionate woman. But it is not just a, a book about their lives, because it's in the Bible, and everything that is contained within the Bible actually illuminates and gives expression to the nature and the character of God. And so this is what we discover through these three people's lives. <clears throat> every poem, every bit of prose, every life that we are given in the Bible points in this direction, which is towards who God is and what his friendship with humanity looks like. So we don't have a list of God's attributes in the book of Ruth, but we have the lives of three people. And we see three people who have encountered and embody the love of a father. And it is the Hesed love of God. And this is a word that Tim introduced for us last week as he spoke so brilliantly on chapter one of Ruth. And he um, just uncovered this idea of God's love. And it is actually the theme of the book of Ruth. It's not just in chapter one, but it is the thread that is woven throughout the story of Ruth. It is the hinge that everyone's lives and experiences hang upon. Hesed, love. And so we are going to continue to explore that this morning. And God's Hesed love denotes persistent and unconditional tenderness kindness and mercy. And Tim actually used a quote which I'm going to use this week because it, it was good. And why find another one when you've got a good one? <laughs> so this is it. It's from um, a Bible commentator called Ralph Davis. And it said, Hesed is loyal love. It's not merely kindness, but dependable kindness. Not merely affection, committed, sorry, not merely affection, but affection that has committed itself. This is Hesed love. And I actually have a simple thought for us to gather around this morning. It is a simple and yet, as is the way so often with God, it is profound if we allow it to take root and come to life in our own lives. And it is this thought it is the thought that God never forgets you. This is what I want to encourage our hearts with this morning. God never forgets you. God sees you and he acts for good on your behalf. And we see this mirrored in the lives of these three people in this story. God never forgets you. He sees you and he works for good on your behalf. 
that is what I want us to encourage, be encouraged by this morning. And I don't know how you respond to that. Maybe you think, yes, I know that. <laughs> that feels so alive in my life at the moment. Or maybe you think, I'm not actually sure about that, Joe. Maybe you believe that, but actually circumstances at the moment don't seem to illustrate that. Maybe questions that you have or prayers that you thought would be answered in a different way than they have been. Maybe as you're looking around at the world that we inhabit and you think, what? <laughs> Sometimes we can't even put into words the questions that we may have. I don't know how you would respond to that thought that God sees us and has committed kindness towards us. He is acting for good on our behalf. And however we might respond to that thought actually is not to be dismissed because it matters to God. It matters to him the season of life that we are in. It matters to him what is happening in our lives. It matters to him what are the response of our heart is God never diminishes our genuine, heartfelt response. And we read story after story in the Bible, actually, of people who encountered these seasons of questioning and wondering, of frustration and pain and suffering, not because this is what God revels in, but because the Bible gives us a picture of a world that actually isn't as it was created to be. But at the same time, we discover a God who in those stories is coming and saying, I see you and I am with you. Your pain pains me also. And I am working on your behalf for good, both personally and cosmically, historically. That is what we see throughout the Bible, the Hesed love. And hopefully as we look in chapter two of Ruth this morning, this will just come a little more to life as we explore this because the book of Ruth opens actually with someone, if you don't know the story, it opens with a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and a lot of grief. It begins with a famine in Bethlehem. And because of this famine, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, they move and they travel to a land called Moab because they have heard that there is food there. And when they are there, Naomi and Elimelech's two sons, Marlon and Kilion, marry local Moabite women called Orpah and Ruth. And then really sadly, we are told in just a few words that Naomi's husband and her two sons, Orpah's and Ruth's husbands, die. And Orpah and Ruth have not been able to have children. They've been married, we think, for about 10 years. So now there is these three women who are grieving and suffering loss. And not only that, but they are now in a very vulnerable social position. Because in those days and in some places in the world today, to be a woman who is alone and widowed and childless is to be discarded, forgotten, and rendered useless. And these three women lived in a society in which a woman's worth was in relation to the men in her life. And so without a father or a husband or a son, a woman had no voice, no legal rights, and no provision 
And this was now the reality that Naomi and Orpah and Ruth were living in. And so Naomi decides to return to Bethlehem and they set off on the road back to Bethlehem in chapter one. And in a moment of self-sacrificial love that Tim um, illuminated for us last week, Naomi says to Orpah and Ruth, listen, the legal contract that you entered into when you married your sons that bound you to me, I free you from that. I release you from that. Go back to Moab. Make a new life for yourselves. Go back there. You can marry again. Things could turn out for you, okay? I don't have anything to offer you. And Orpah in that moment on the road makes the sensible, good decision. And she returns to Moab. Ruth makes a radical decision. And she says to Naomi, no, I'm staying with you. Where you go, I will go. And not only am I staying with you, but I choose your God. I choose your God and I choose to take refuge in your God. And so these two brave women make the journey back to Bethlehem and arrive alone and destitute and grieving. Naomi is in so much pain that she's actually changed her name from Naomi, which means pleasant and lovely, to Mara, which means bitter. And this is where we find them in chapter 2 says this. I'm going to read the whole chapter. So it is quite long, but it just gives us the story, um, the narrative which we need. So it says this. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, she entered a field, and she began to glean behind the harvesters. And as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? And the overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. And at this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother in your homeland and you came to live with the people you didn't know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and she had some left over. And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. 
So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening, and then she threshed the barley she'd gathered, and it amounted to an ephah, which was a lot. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she'd left over after she'd eaten enough. Then her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she'd been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. That is chapter two. Now, this is the chapter where we meet Boaz. Last week, as Tim talked on chapter one, it was Naomi and Ruth. This is the chapter where we actually, Boaz enters the scene. But if we see Boaz as the man who has come to save Ruth and Naomi, or if we see Ruth as a woman who is saving Naomi, then we are at risk of putting ourselves in the position of saviour in other people's lives. If instead we see these three people as lives and stories who have encountered themselves, have taken refuge in the hesed, love of God, and they are embodying that love, they are living the overflow of it towards one another, then we capture the power and the beauty of what is happening here. Ruth and Boaz do two things in different ways throughout this book. They do two things in different ways. They both see and act. They see and they act to work for good on another's behalf. They are mirroring the nature and the character of God. Ruth sees Naomi's pain. She sees the season that she is in. She doesn't run from it or dismiss it or expect better of Naomi. She sees it and she comes alongside Naomi. One woman coming alongside another. One woman believing in the beauty and the strength of another. One woman speaking hope into the future of another. One woman giving of her time and her life and her resources to love another back to life. Ruth didn't actually believe the cultural story of the day. She lived counter-culturally. And the way that she saw Naomi and acted spoke to and awoken in Naomi again the understanding that God... <laughs> didn't believe the cultural story of the day. God didn't diminish or declare that Naomi and Ruth's story was over because they were alone. Ruth is saying to Naomi, there is a belief and a resolve that emanates towards Naomi. And she says, Naomi, our story is not over. There is still hope. It may look like we are forgotten and we are abandoned, and we are alone, 
but there is a God who I have come to take refuge in, and I do not believe that that is the story that he has for us. Ruth had encountered the Hesed love of God, and she was embodying it. Not only did she believe this and demonstrate it towards Naomi, we see because their story is in the Bible and it is named after Ruth, that God actually orchestrated events to bring these women's lives center stage as a display of his faithfulness and his committed kindness. These two women, it's as if God is saying through their position and their story in the Bible, through their strength and their courage and their resilience and their sorrow and their taking refuge and trusting in my love, they give expression and they are a witness to the story that I am speaking and telling with their lives. Ruth sees Naomi's heart and she acts on her behalf. Her love for Naomi leads her to go out and look for work. She, she makes a plan. She says to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Now, I don't know if you know about the gleaning tradition of the day, but Ruth was basically taking refuge in an ancient um, code and command of God that he had instituted in Levite law. It was the law of the covenant that God gave, and it's we're given it in Leviticus. And it says, when you reap the harvest in your country, you will not reap to the very edges of your field, nor will you gather the gleanings of the harvest. You will leave them for the poor and the stranger. And that verse actually finishes with the declaration, I am Yahweh, your God. This is what I institute for your culture, God is saying, that you will leave parts of your field, the edges of your field, because what would happen when they were harvesting the fields, the men would go with their sickles, and they would chop down the um, stalks of grain, and then the stalks would be on the ground, and the women would become behind the men, and they would pick them up, and they would gather them, and that would be the harvest, and then the gleaners would come, and around the edge, they would be able to pick up what had been left, and they would be able to take home those bits of stalks that hadn't been gathered by the women who were harvesting. This was the law, but Ruth and Naomi also knew. Well, Naomi spoke to Ruth, and Naomi said, in whose eyes I find favor. Although that is the law, we all know that there are some people who live the spirit of the law that is given and ask, how can this open my heart to be generous towards another? And there are some people who live the letter of the law and ask, how little do I need to give to be able to get away with fulfilling this command? And this is what Ruth and Naomi were in search of. And they, she had found um, a field that belonged to Boaz. And it says, as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz. As it turned out. <laughs> it's almost code for God's orchestration of where he had brought and led Ruth to. Now, this is the moment that quite often when this story is told, that when Boaz arrives to his field, because we're told a few um, verses later that Boaz arrives and he looks out and he sees Ruth. And this is the moment that is often described as Boaz approaching the field and maybe the music begins to play and the floodlets go down low and Ruth and Boaz's eyes lock across a partly harvested field and Boaz arrives and says, who is that woman? Maybe look arrives in a field looking a little bit like this. Is up the next picture? 
<laughs> and that is it. Ruth and Boaz's lives are forever entwined in a story of love. Someone actually said to me, oh, Boaz, the Mr. Darcy of the Bible. <laughs> that, if you don't know Mr. Darcy, he's from the story Pride and Prejudice. This, uh, well, anyway, you can discover that. But <laughs> now, God is not against these moments, but that is not what is happening here. This is not what is being played out in this moment. When Boaz arrives to his field and he sees his workers, he sends a blessing. <laughs> he wanted God's presence and God's nature and God's character to be a defining feature of his field. The Lord bless you, he says to all his workers. The Lord bless you also, his workers said back to him. And then Boaz says, who is that woman over there? And he asks the overseer who she is. And the overseer tells him she's the Moabite who came back with Naomi. And she asked if she could glean and gather among the harvesters. She came into the field and she's remained here and worked hard. Boaz saw Ruth. He saw who had come into his field. He saw her and he heard her story. He saw her hesed, committed, faithful, kind love towards Naomi. And he is moved to respond to this devotion. He is moved by the life of Ruth. He is moved to respond to her hesed love, staring hesed love in another and so Boaz actually says to Ruth, listen, don't go and glean anywhere else. Stay in my field. Boaz was saying, I'm not just going to let you stay and um, gather stalks on the corner of the field. Actually, go behind my harvesters. He lives the spirit. He goes above and beyond. He says to the men, just drop a few extra so she can pick them up. I want to live the nature and the character of what God instituted. I want her to know that she can be cared for here. Boaz saw Ruth and he acted for good on her behalf. He was a man in position of power who could have used his power to dominate diminish and devalue the women in his field. But instead, he chose to submit his power to Hesed love and to see that in his field. And he prayed a blessing over Ruth. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by God under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz had encountered the Hesed love of God and he prayed for more of it for Ruth. May you be richly rewarded, Ruth. And as is so often the case when we pray, when we're stared to see and we're stared to hear another's story and we're stared to live not just the letter of the law but the spirit of the nature and the character of God. When we pray a blessing over others, quite often, we then become part of the answer to the prayer that we pray. And this is what Boaz did. He ensured her safety from the abuse of others. He invited her to the table to be part of his community. Because the thing with Hesed love, when we encounter it, it can't help but flow out of us. It changes us and it invites us and stares us to see the stories of another. 
And I know quite a few people at the moment are reading a book called Dirty Glory, which was written by Pete Gregg, who came to speak here um, a few months ago. And in this book, he tells the story of a friend of mine called Kelly. And Kelly was someone who had gone to a border town in northern Mexico, and she was being shown around this city. And they, the person who was shown around took her to a part of the city that was walled in, and it was um, ran by the government, but basically anything kind of went on in there that was um, led by the mafia. And as Kelly came to this place, she said to her guide, what goes on in here? And so this guide explained that there are women who are working here for whatever choices they had made or whatever had brought them there. There are women in these situations who are vulnerable and who have been contained within these walls and who are in a position that could be seen to be the edge of the field. And so Kelly said, well, who goes in there? What happens? And this person said, oh, no, no one goes in there. They leave us alone and we leave them alone. And so Kelly saw this place. And there was something within her that was stirred to pray. And she prayed, God, could someone begin to go into this place that looks like it has been forgotten by everyone else, that looks like culture is telling a story about the lives that are lived in there. And as she prayed, she felt stirred that she would be the one that would go. So she moved from America and she moved down to live there. And she spent years just going into this place, not as the savior of that place, but as someone who had encountered a saving kindness love of God and who wanted to live that amongst others who may never have heard it. And she went in and her simple sentence to the people that she met was, God hasn't forgotten you. He sees you and he knows your name and he knows your story. And through just becoming part of the community and becoming part of the life there and seeing the situations that these women were faced with, and quite often, um, drug addiction was part of this. And she just continued to speak these words and act for good. Years later, two of the women who were in there are now drug-free and living healthy lives and are returning themselves to the same place that they came from to tell the same story to other women. God sees you. I have encountered Hesed love. And I want to share this with you and embody this again in this place. Sometimes as we encounter the Hesed love of God to us, it will stare us to move. We may be like Ruth. There may be a move, maybe to another nation, maybe to another place, maybe to another part of the city, maybe to a different job. Sometimes as we see and we ask questions and we're stared to act, there is a move that is involved for us. Sometimes we may find ourselves a little more like Boaz, and Boaz's name means strength. And everyone thinks that Boaz is around the same age as Naomi, which means that he would have been in Bethlehem when the famine happened. He would have experienced the famine also, but it looks like, as far as we can tell, he stayed. He stayed and he remained faithful to that place. And he remained faithful so that when we actually say Naomi and Ruth returned at the time of the barley harvest, they left in famine, but because Boaz had stayed and been a place of strength 
and faithfulness and committed kindness to his field and his city. He was able to provide for others. He was able to come alongside others. Sometimes it may be like Ruth and we may move. Sometimes it might mean looking to see who is in our field, looking to see what is happening, looking to see what is going on, choosing to look. When my sister was five years old, she chose to look at something that was happening on her playground, and it was playtime. Um, and she, at playtime, she went out and she saw actually a group of girls who were her friends. But this particular playtime, they'd encircled another five-year-old girl, and they were singing songs about her because of what she looked like. They were singing songs that were mean and nasty because of what she looked like. And my sister looked at this and I don't know how a little five-year-old processes all these things. I don't know what went through her mind. But she saw this, and she chose to actually act for good on another's behalf. And she broke into that circle, and she went. She might have thought, I don't know how to stop the singing, but I can go and stand alongside someone who is being treated in this way. And she broke into the circle, and she stood, and she simply hold, held hands with this girl. And the two of them looked. She looked into the eyes of everyone who was singing and slowly they began to disperse and carried on. Sometimes it will mean looking to see who is in our field. God isn't into dramatic displays of intervention. He's simply into us living lives of love wherever we, he may lead us. And that will look different in our day to day, whatever area that we work and we live in. It will look different for each of us. There may be movement and there may be coming and going, and especially in a city like London. But within this, as our lives are living this kindness of love, we're actually part of something bigger than the part that we play. So it means that whatever season our story and however we may tell and embody this love, the church, and I know this is the prayer of so many of us and it is my prayer, the church will always be known, this is what I pray, for its committed kindness to others, to embody and display Hesed love. Wouldn't that be amazing? if that is what people came to know the church for, that wherever we find ourselves tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're thinking I'm part of something that actually stands for Hesed, committed kindness and loving care towards others. Naomi, Ruth and Boaz encountered and were healed, restored and re-envisioned by this love. And I'm sure that we all know people I certainly do, who wouldn't fall under the, the label Christian, who are living incredible lives of love. But there is a gift from God that is a love that we can become alive in, a love that heals and sustains and revision and re-envisions us. It is a gift to be lived in, and it is a gift that we get to celebrate as we gather together. Jesus himself said, listen, if your prayer is that you want to make a difference, if you want to be faithful, if you want to be fruitful, remain in my love. Don't stray from it. Remain in my love and live from this place. Choose it daily. I wonder if the band could come back up wherever you are. Amazing. I don't know your story. 
I know some of our stories. I don't know everyone's. I don't know where you're at this morning. But I'm just going to ask us a couple of questions because sometimes it's helpful to reflect on ourselves and find ourselves in the stories of the Bible. And use this moment as you will. You may not connect with it at all. You may be thinking about something else that is totally fine. The band will come and they will play. But if you would like to, we can just allow these questions to maybe bring to life. We've just got a few minutes before we crack on with coffee and picnic and everything else. <clears throat> but I'm just going to, I wonder if we could stand and then we will, um, we can go. You may just want to close your eyes if you want to enter into this. I'll pray. Father, I thank you that through the lives of these three people, we get to know more of who you are, of how we see that you acted and you worked for good on their behalf, and they served each other in these ways. I thank you that there is a love that never runs dry. Father, I thank you that you have said that you are water that will never run out, that you can tend to our hearts in the most specific and caring ways. And so, Holy Spirit, I simply pray and ask you and thank you that you see our stories in whatever season of life we are in at the moment. I thank you that you know and it matters to you that you see us and that you are working for good on our behalf if we will let you if we will open our hearts to you. And so as we just take these couple of minutes to reflect and see whatever thoughts may come to mind, whoever we may be reminded of, whatever you want to draw our focus and attention to, this isn't just an exercise, Father, but I just pray in this moment that we would know more of your presence and your love. So let me ask you, are there people that you have seen or you know that God is wanting you to see and you just need his help to know how to act and how to respond to come alongside? You can ask him this morning for wisdom. For eyes to truly see them and hear them. Are there areas maybe in your life where you have been working for good on another's behalf, but you know that you have not stopped to receive love for a while? And maybe this morning for you, it's a moment to return again, to receive the sustaining and refreshing and restoring love of God and a, a commitment to not move from this place, but to remain in love. And to ask God what that looks like in your life. Maybe you are actually feeling a little more like Naomi in chapter 2. And you need to know again this morning that God sees the season that you're in. 
and the people that he is bringing around you. And know again his faithful kindness towards you. And you can experience that in this moment. And if also you just want to continue to talk about this with anyone, you can ask any of us. We have pastoral care teams. But we can also just come in this moment as we sing our final song together and open our hearts to him and to receive his love. And then if there is anything that you would like prayer for, the prayer team will be here at the end. Thank you for listening. For more information or for further podcasts and downloads, please visit ChristChurchLondon.org.